From the high desert in Far East West Texas, this is the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that sports TV ratings. Hi, I'm Robert Seidman, and the uh, world's fastest growing sports media podcast is off to a great start in 2018 because while I love all my podcast guests equally, you, the listeners, love Jim Miller more. So it's uh, my pleasure to welcome back best selling author and now world famous podcaster via his Origins podcast, James Andrew Miller. Jim, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, so you've just released the PTI episode of the uh, ESPN chapter of your Origins uh, podcast, and uh, you also wrote a pretty thought-provoking piece on uh, on John Skipper's exit and the timing, and uh, and some of uh, you know how how you're looking at how that went down. And I want to talk about both, but uh, since PTI is objectively my favorite television show of all time, based on both the number of episodes consumed, which has got to be over three thousand, uh, and time spent. I want to give PTI and your origins episode about it, uh, the focus and, and respect it deserves. And, you know, it was a 90 plus minute episode and you chronicle the story, you know, from, from Shapiro's idea, uh, to the execution and production and even work environment ethos of, uh, Eric Rideholm and Matt Kelleher. And it's a, it's a great origin story because there are so many points in the story where, uh, you know, I, I would think, Hey, you know, if they didn't do X, Y would never happen. And uh, I know people will reach their, their own conclusions about that kind of stuff, but I definitely came away thinking if they don't pick Ride Home to produce the show and leave him be in Washington, D.C., unless both of those things happen, uh, you know, your, your Origins podcast and this podcast talking about it don't happen. And I'm just really curious for your thoughts on that. Well, first of all, thanks for listening. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, I think that what, that's one of the uh, reasons why I wanted to do a podcast called Origins because it's exactly what you just said. I, 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 I love finding those moments where, you know, either through luck or through a series of other events, something happens in a way that makes the future possible and identifying those moments and really looking at them and, and studying them is, is for, at least for me, um, you know, wildly provocative because then you start to think, okay, how can that be applied elsewhere? Or the fact that there was such disruptive thinking at that time, look how that manifested itself later on and, and look how much it contributed right. to um, the overall success. So regarding your point, I mean, look, Eric Rideholm is, uh, is a master. Uh, he, he really is. And I think that um, it's, you're on solid ground by saying that without Eric Rideholm, um, we, we probably won't be talking about this show in, in 2018 now. Uh, I also think that it was, it was incumbent upon me as the storyteller to, to kind of like dig deep into what does that mean that the producer of the show, uh, that Rideholm, you know, is so important to the show's success. Right. And so one of the things that, tried to isolate in the podcast is, um, is the, the, the many qualities that he brings to the job that, um, can, that, that led to um, the show developing the way it did. And so in a way, I think that this, this PTI story, I mean, yes, it's, it's a sports media story and it's an ESPN story, but in some ways it's like a, I think it's an entrepreneur creativity uh, you know, workplace story. 
I, I wanted it to to live and uh, and breathe on on a variety of levels. So I'm hoping that you know people who uh, don't even watch the show, uh, but just want to study how a certain culture, a smaller culture within a huge culture, right. gets to operate. And uh, and that was the case as well that I tried to do with the social media episode that preceded this, because um, that to me was more about social media than it was specific. I mean, yes, it was about ESPN, but I wanted to have this overlay also just about how talent regards social media and management deals with social media in right. this modern age. Right. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure why it wound up amusing me so much, but the, uh, the, uh, the origin story for the, for the PTI or the pardon the interruption name itself. And, and I'll try not to spoil that. Uh, and, and the accompanying thread of, you could change anything, but you can't change that. Uh, that that ran through, you know, the the, the origin story was very amusing to me, and and I, yeah. I, I'm just wondering if you know if if you could put into words why why is that so amusing to me? I I don't know if I can put it into words, but it is very well. You have a twisted sense of humor, Robert. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, I think that you know, look, one of the reasons why it was amusing to me as well was because you know you get you get to see. Um, like surprising moments that, uh, you know, if you lined up a hundred people uh, and you played out those same sequence of events, maybe 99 times it happens the opposite way. Yep. But uh, not to be too coy, I just, you know, obviously don't want to kind of give it away, but th- this time it didn't happen the way that you might expect. And the reasons why, and that's the, the delicious thing about a podcast, right? You know this, uh, is to get people to to talk about those moments and to talk about their motivations behind it, uh, behind you know those decisions. So, yeah, I found it pretty uh, pretty remarkable. Um, it was that was a lot of fun. You know this this is this is the case, and this runs through all of your books and all of your podcasts. But it just seems like you have such an easy time getting getting people to, to open up. And, and, and that's always true. But like on, on this podcast in particular, um, it just seemed like everybody was 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 just open and out there with with their thinking and 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 wasn't really hedging anything. Um, did, did, you know, is, is, is that the magic of your art or, or did it actually go down that way? Oh, well. Thanks for even the question. Um, I look in this in this case, uh, you know, I first met Tony Kornheiser at the Washington Post. Uh, you know, uh, I was at the Washington Post early on and uh, was there for three years. And uh, I didn't write in sports; I wrote in style. But um, got to meet Tony and then um, stayed in touch through the years and was a big supporter of the show as soon as it launched. Um, and, you know, I spent a lot of time with those guys, uh, you know, ride home and, and others, Eric ride home and others for the book, because I obviously wanted to make sure that um, PTI was represented in the uh, ESPN oral history. So, sure. uh, you know, in some ways, I think they, they kind of, you know, knew me and uh, um, I think that may have been some wind at our backs. Right. So you went you went out of your way or I thought you went out of your way for good reasons that I agreed with. But you went out of your way to call out the uh, the work environment uh, that Team Rideholm has created. Uh, and it resonated with me because while, while I don't believe in, uh, 
really any kind of fate and destiny. I still come away thinking I made a left turn at Albuquerque when I should have made a right. And uh, if I can imagine one work environment where I could have thrived and been happy, it's Eric Rideholmes. I mean, it, it's a it's a pretty phenomenal thing he's created. And, uh, you know, pretty much no matter who you talk to who's encountered Eric has nothing but great things to say both about Eric and the environment. Um, and I, I thought the podcast did capture some of it, but uh, what's the secret sauce there that makes all that work? You know, it's funny when I give um, speeches at college campuses or companies that have a young workforce and they talk about, I get asked about, you know, what's, how do you know what the best job to take? And, you know, when you're making decisions early on in your career, or for that matter, any time in your career, um, I, I place sometimes more emphasis on who rather than what. Um, And the word culture is kind of overused um, sometimes, but I think in this time, and the reason why it was so important for me in this podcast was to talk about that. And it's that, here's the thing, Eric Rideholm um, provides an environment where when you wake up in the morning, you are, um, you're looking forward to going to work. You're feeling good about yourself, you're feeling good about your colleagues, and you are, are looking forward to giving your best to, to him and, you know, and to that show. Um, that's, that's in many ways, from, I think that's like winning the lottery. Yep. If you can wake up in the morning and, I mean, unless you're a member of the Lucky Sperm Club and don't have to worry about a paycheck from day to day, yep. uh, you know, you got some trust fund or something. Um, you, the idea that you get to go to a place like that and you get to feel that way about yourself and your colleagues, um, you know, that's, that's a pretty big deal. And I think that, um, so to your question and to my questions that I had going into this is, so how does that really, you know, what does that really mean? What are the ingredients for that? And I think that, uh, you know, part of it is, is, is personality driven. And part of it, you know, just the idea that um, Eric is, you know, not only likable, but I, I, always, um, I always grade, so to speak, managers and, uh, and bosses on, on a, uh, and sometimes politicians, on the ego and paranoia scale. Right. And ride home is low in both. And that, to me, is the cocktail that, that serves everyone well. It's not, about, it's not about his ego. It's not about his name. It's not about him taking credit. He's not, he's not paranoid about, you know, oh, is someone going to take my job or is someone going to get too much credit or I have to take this credit. It's not about any of that. And because it's not that way for him, that is almost like um, a de facto branding of the culture there. So it becomes, it becomes part of the way other people operate. Because if you're, if you're trying to operate in a different way, particularly in a small culture like that, um, then you're not going to survive. You're not going to fit in. Right. It's not something that's going to be welcomed. And um, I think that's one of the reasons why, uh, when you think about it, uh, uh, people stay at PTI. I mean, Matt right. Kelleher has been there for a long time. Yep. You know, uh, obviously, Tony and Mike uh, and Tony Reale was there for a long time until, um, you know, his, his career literally um, went a different way and moving back to New York and stuff. But 
Um, I think that's another testament to it. You know, sometimes you go to these organizations uh, and you see that um, people stay for, you know, like a year or nine months and then they, right. then somebody else comes and then somebody else. Leaves. I mean, it's like you're thinking, wait, what the heck is going on there? And um, so sorry about the long-winded answer, but I think it's, it's one that really intrigued me. And one of the reasons why I wanted to make sure that um, I did PTI was to talk about that culture. Yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, I don't think you can say it enough, like how much they, they just don't care about credit at all. And, and that's why I was so happy, you know, in, in listening to the podcast to hear so much uh, from both Eric and Matt, uh, both, you know, th- these are the two guys that make my favorite TV show. And uh, and they really they're not out. They're not about the limelight. Uh, they are about making the good TV show. And so we're going to be releasing the individual interviews, too, as well, like we always do on Origins. Right. And uh, I think that um, when you you know, when people listen to the Eric Ride Home uh, interview, it's 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 just a masterclass in um, managing creativity. Um, I will say this, though, as long as we're talking about a ride home, the biggest the biggest problem I have with ESPN over the last 16 years has been that in some ways um, they have not taken advantage enough of Eric Rideholm. Now I know that there's, you know, probably no way that he would you know, move to Bristol and become like a ESPN executive. But at the same time, I think that when you look at some of the, the myriad challenges that ESPN has had on its plate. Let's just take, for instance, SportsCenter as a franchise, which, right. by the way, is the fifth episode of um, the ESPN chapter. So I'm going to be doing a long history on that. But, you know, I would, I would make sure that Rydon was part of an ongoing think tank that really examines um, other, other shows and other aspects of uh, the ESPN ecosystem and uh, applies. And you, so you get to take advantage. I mean, he's not an ESPN employee and I right. kind of get into why that's the case in the podcast, but I still think, you know, give him a consulting deal outside his own PTI operation and, and really, um, you know, tap into uh, just what is a fundamentally different way uh, of thinking um, that he has. Yeah, it seems to be that uh, so far, like, you know, they've drawn a line in the sand at ESPN, you know, between shows that aren't sports center and shows that are sports center. And, and I agree with you. Uh, uh, maybe maybe it's not good that, that, that they look at it that way. But uh, so just just moving on, you know, PTI, it's left its mark on 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 the culture and the sports media culture. And it's uh, and it's not just because everyone uses the rundown now. And I'm really glad that you're a wordsmith, Jim, because maybe you can do this idea some justice that I can't. And it's the idea that no matter how thoroughly I can love a, a show like Curb Your Enthusiasm, there are only 90 episodes of Curb. And uh, there's some huge multiplier effect from doing 3,000 plus episodes that uh, dividing 3,000 by 90 doesn't do justice. Uh, c- can you do that justice somehow? Or, or am I crazy? Uh I guess, are you talking about the fact that because you like PTI, there's just more of it? So that's Well, not, not just because, I mean, yes, because I like it and because there's so much of it, uh, I, you know, it's such a big part of my life relative to anything else, right? I mean, so, you know, four or five days a week, most weeks, you know, for the last 15 years, I have watched PTI. Right. 
So, I mean, look, I think it's somewhat unfair um, to compare, like, to Curvy Enthusiasm because they have a different role in your life, oh, right? Oh, sure, I mean, sure. One, of the reasons, one of the reasons why you're watching PTI and one of the, one of the, one of the reasons that they did PTI was because every single day you have this ton of information coming in in a world that you care about, you know, sports and sports media and games and everything else. And so that's your way of being in touch with it, digesting it, um, increasing your knowledge base or whatever. Um, Larry David's just trying to make you laugh and make you gross out and make you really uncomfortable and (laughs) you know do all sorts of weird things to your mind about the world around us um but i think that to your point the idea that pti continues to engage on that level um you know and and it is such a you know important you know part of your of your day i mean i look that's that's pretty tough to do that, that that's pretty p- tough to do. And I don't think uh, any of the people who um, were involved with PTI at the beginning, um, even they in, in probably some of their more um, bold moments didn't anticipate the show being um, as successful as it's been. Right. So, um, you know, before moving on to, uh, to the, uh, you know, the, the John Skipper story. Um, I never heard of that <laughs> uh, before moving on to that uh, plug the remainder of the uh, espn uh chapter of the origins podcast i know the bonus interviews for pti will come out and that the final episode is on sports center but what else is coming down the pike uh college game day uh comes out on uh on the 10th uh figured you know a couple of nights past the national championship game people will be uh Sorry to see the college football season go, and so uh, they'll have college game day to uh, to listen to. The week after that is 30 for 30, um, which Skipper uh, makes an appearance in. He actually makes several appearances, and uh, so does Bill Simmons and uh, and others, and a lot of filmmakers in there as well. So uh, I'm excited about that. That's the 17th, and then the final week is uh, Sports Center, and I'm I'm really glad about, uh, you know, the, the depth that, uh, we, we got to on that because, uh, got Chris Berman and, uh, people from the earlier eras and, uh, some of the architects of, um, important sports center moments like John Walsh. Right. And, um, and also spoke with George Bodenheimer and, uh, Steve Bornstein. So there's, you know, three presidents involved in that one, but a lot of talent. Um, a lot of anchors through the years. Yeah, they, they've been great, and, uh, including Oberman, Patrick, ah, for Charlie Steiner, Bob Lee, um, you know, Linda Cohn, and uh, Jamel Hill talks about the six o'clock Sports Center. Um, so um, it's yeah, it's a, it's a pretty uh, wide-ranging discussion. I'm looking forward to it. So I can't recommend it enough. It's the uh, Origins with James Andrew Miller podcast and uh, good good stuff about ESPN coming up. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash STVR. 
Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 play. Uh, so as long as uh, my podcast is sponsored by Audible and I had a best-selling author on, I figured I'd ask Jim about what he's been reading. And uh, whether you, you're into uh, signing up for an Audible free trial or not, I think you'll enjoy the, uh, the couple of minutes. So, uh, so Jim, you know, I, I, I consumed a lot of media in 2017, uh, including an, you know, a ginormous amount of audiobooks. Um, I'm wondering, like, can you name a few favorites that you read in 2017? Didn't have to, didn't have to come out in 2017. Just, just uh, on the recent reading list that you really enjoyed. Well, I just finished uh, *Reckless Daughter* by David Yaffe, which was um, his. It was the portrait of Joni Mitchell. I'm a big Joni Mitchell fan, and he had spent some time with her, and I, I thought that was. Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting, particularly because Johnny's such a recluse. And uh, I, I listened to that one on, uh, you know, on audio, and it was, uh, it was pretty good. I mean, there's, you know, obviously there were some things that you you, you want in, in a biography of someone that you really care about. But um, I, I thought that was, uh, I thought that was pretty good. It's interesting. I started reading Da Vinci. Uh, the new Isaacson. you know the new biography on on da Vinci and uh, and then I switched to audio because I was going to be on a plane then I switched back to the book and uh, it was one of the few times that I've done that um, you know gone back and forth like that and um, it was it actually worked out okay um, it's a it's a it's an amazing it's an amazing book I mean Walter Isaacson is really yet again done a done a fantastic job um i thought that was that was that was fantastic but uh i spent a lot of time um listening to uh listening to, to books on on uh on business trips and uh i don't know if you ever got a chance to uh listen to uh, keith richards a life because johnny depp recorded it that 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 is <laughs> That is above the rim reverse slam dunk. <laughs> okay. It is, uh, I mean, just the idea that Keith Richards remembers anything to write about, uh, you know, I mean, just let's start with that. Um, but uh, it was, that, that was really special. One of my favorite audio books. And then, of course, uh, having just seen Springsteen on Broadway, I got to gotta mention Bruce because uh, he did a, he did a marvelous job with his book and uh, the audio recording of that is, is, it's amazing as well. So I I have listened to the Springsteen book, which I enjoyed, and I did listen to to the Da Vinci book as well. And uh, if you're if you're an audiobook person or afraid of audiobooks, um, one of the pushbacks I get is you know that like a, a book like Da Vinci, there's like so much great accompanying artwork that, that that's in the book, and and I agree with that. But uh, you know the the PDF version that you get with the uh, with the audiobook has all the artwork, and it, and it looks at least on a a 27 inch iMac looks great. So uh, don't be discouraged by the uh, by the lack of, uh, of, of the, the printed material if you want to give the audiobooks a try. You know, I have to tell you something. Sometimes, this, sounds, this may sound crazy, but sometimes when I listen to an audiobook, I, and if I enjoy it, then I'll go out and buy the book because not only will I, you know, for the pictures in it or whatever, but then from time to time, I'll just want to pick up a certain chunk of it uh, and reread it, you know, and you don't want to, you don't have to start load the whole thing and try and find your spot or whatever. And it's just a great, um, I have a habit of, a habit of going back to books that I really, really enjoyed and reading certain chapters or passages from them. And so I, I find that there's a, there's a way to kind of like, 
you know, connected to. Yeah. So this, so, so at least for me, and I think you'll agree with this, this, this is, this is the golden age of uh, media consumption because pretty much no matter how you want to consume it, it's, it's out there. And, uh, and, uh, your point on the books is great. So I, I, you know, I, I bought the hard, you know, the hardback version of, uh, of those guys have all the fun, but uh, mostly I have consumed that book by audio, so uh, it, it is interesting. Well, on behalf of my three children, thank you, thank you. But, uh, some of us are are still reeling uh, about the, you know from the news a couple of weeks ago of uh, John Skipper's abrupt resignation from ESPN, and uh, I had uh, Ryan Glassbeagle of the Big Lead on my podcast in late December, and he was he was kind of sheepish about even bringing up the idea that the, you know, that the timing of it just didn't feel right uh, for, you know, for fear of being, you know, thought of as, as an a-hole. And I told him, no, you know, that, that's a, that's definitely not a crazy thing to think. And, uh, and you definitely don't seem to think it's a crazy thing to think. And you have written a, well, can uh, you, wait, can you clarify what you mean? The context of timing? Uh, the, just because so many things like, like, you know, until a day before it was announced, he seemed so actively engaged in the company oh, I see, I see, and it I seemed, okay. seemed, just seems unthinkable that, oh, yesterday was everything was fine. And now, ooh, what's going on? So that, you know, just, the, just the, you know, he was so engaged in the company one day and then gone the next, that, that bit of the timing, at least, per, at least speaking for myself, that, that, that really was jarring and abrupt for me. And it's still hard for me to reconcile. Um, well, so, as you could tell from uh, my column, uh, it certainly was um, a bridge too far for me. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, I'm just going to open it up to you to talk about sort of the, the you know, your column in the, in the Hollywood Reporter uh, was very thought-provoking, uh, maybe a little bit controversial, um, but uh, just, just share a quick overview of, of your THR piece. Um, I mean, look, I, I think in, uh, in, at the most basic level, I, I believe that uh, – John Skipper didn't jump; he was pushed, and um, I, I, you know, I, I thought about it for quite a bit of time and did um, a great deal of reporting. And uh, I think that, look, um, as I say in the piece, if if Bob Iger didn't want John Skipper to run ESPN anymore, that's certainly Bob's choice. And uh, I'm not even arguing about whether or not he had the right to do that or whether he should have done that. Bob Iger's, you know, one of the most important and successful media executives of, of the last quarter century. Right. And um, so he's he's entitled to have anyone run the company that he wants. Um, but I uh, I think that the circumstances uh, surrounding the uh, skipper's departure are uh, beyond murky. It's funny though because I think that some people have gravitated toward, um, you know, an explanation. If it's an explanation beyond what Skipper said, right? Because right. basically, the, the company line was that he had a substance abuse problem and he was leaving his job to take care of it. Right. And so people who were skeptical about that, I guess, given the post Weinstein, uh, you know, in living in this post Weinstein revelations world, uh, people were quick to conflate uh, Skipper's departure with 
either he he was about to be uh, reprimanded for something or something was about to come out that would implicate him in that. Right. Um, I don't believe that there's something like that um, out there. I mean, that's I can't say for for sure. And while there may be a, a circumstance or a case or something like that that is yet to come out, um, so be it. But I I don't think that there's anything that would have uh, necessi- necessitated Skipper's removal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yep. So and, so and I think that people should keep in mind that the person who is now temporarily replacing him, George Bodenheimer, who's obviously one of the most important um, executives in ESPN history and is beloved not only at ESPN but by Disney. Um, you know, George had uh, a lot of uh, a, a lot of problems in the uh, oversaw a lot of the problems um, in this area when he was president. Right. So um, I don't think that. I, I just don't think that that line of of, of thought uh, follows through. I don't think it makes sense, and I don't I don't think it played a part. So if if you don't mind, I just I just kind of want to get into your brain a little bit because because what what I'm kind of hearing you say in some ways is is if if it went down that it, that he was pushed and Bob Bob Iger pushed him, uh, you don't really have a problem with that. If if there's a problem that that that's some kind of a violation of your code, it's that he's not. You know he he's not being called out for doing that, or or that or that it's it's you know it, there's some Jedi mind trick being played that it's being spun differently from what actually happened. So so talk can you talk about like just how important it is for you for the actual truth to come out in a you know in a way that the light is just shown on it. Well, I know it's kind of fashionable in the past year or two not to kind of pay attention to the truth in some quarters, but. Um, I uh, I think you know. Look, it's that's a pretty big deal when you have um, the president of ESPN leaving and leaving so abruptly, and uh, and if that isn't the real story or the full story, then you know I think that I think that's worth examining. I think that's worth questioning. I think that's worth. Um, looking into, uh, you know, a bit more. I also think that even though it may have been, if it turns out that there was more than um, just the, just Skipper's decision about the deal with his substance abuse problem, um, then it's kind of, it's not a Jedi move. It's not Machiavellian. It's kind of sloppy. Right. And it kind of begs, you know, it it it, it kind of like, you're just wondering, well, why did it have to be so complicated? Why was it so almost nefarious? Um, you know, I point out in the article that uh, in the in the aftermath of the 21st century Fox purchase, you know, you're spending over $50 billion. The integration of those two entities right. is going to be you know, beyond challenging. Yeah. Um, and because of the RSNs and other parts of that merger, uh, the acquisition equation, um, you know, it's the person who succeeds John Skipper is not going to be just doing John Skipper's job. There's a whole other 
thing now um, that's attached to that job, and that um, requires further skill sets and 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 greater bandwidth and everything else. The other thing that I got into was the fact that now since the merger, Bob Iger has decided to stay on through 2021. Yep. And, you know, his own successor is not, it's not clear. And, you know, for a company like Disney, um, that should be a pretty big deal. Yep. I mean, and so John Skipper is 62 and given his background and, uh, sensibilities was not going to be uh, Bob Iger's successor. Right. ESPN is a unbelievable laboratory for the future of a communications company. It deals with many of the issues that you um, have to deal with um, if you're at Disney. So I totally understand. Bob may say, "I got to get a successor," uh, you know, and. Uh, and ESPN is going to be um, a great way to try somebody out. Yep. Um, so all of it makes sense. It's just why do you have to do it that way? Yeah. So it's it. Uh, I'm 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 definitely leaning towards uh, you know the 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 succession case making more sense to me uh, as a reason than than anything has been announced. But I mean, I I leave open that it's just it's possible that it's just one of those things, and 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 I, I'm never going to be you know totally okay with it. Um, if you don't mind talking about about your writing process, you know, you you thread. Uh, uh, you know, a pretty elusive needle, uh, certainly an elusive for me needle, which is you're, you're able to be thought provoking and even controversial, um, but but not being incendiary. And I think that, uh, you know, Bob Iger might not love the piece if he reads it, but he's not going to think that that was, you know, any kind of unfair hit piece either. So I'm just wondering, like, how 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 important is threading that needle to you? Well, I don't know. We are who we are, right? And uh, I just think you bring that to your writing or you bring that to a podcast or you bring it to, uh, you know, a speech or something. So I'm just uh, – I don't mean in a goody-two-shoes way. I'm just uh, – first of all, my operating thesis, um, and I share this with my kids all the time, but I do believe we live in a world where uh, good news travels too slow. So that was one of the reasons why I wanted to do Origins as a podcast to talk about things that work and things that are successful and why are they successful and stuff. And I think in the writing, I don't, I don't know. I don't think you need to, uh, well, you certainly don't need to get, it's not my brand. I mean, some people do it really well and uh, I admire them and they use the language like a sword and they can eviscerate um, people and concepts and everything else. I'm probably just, I'm just not that, I'm just not, uh, I'm just not cut, cut out like that. I, I you know, um, and maybe I'd have a lot more followers on Twitter if I was able to uh, crank out tweets like that and, uh, you know, stuff like that. But um, it's just not, you know, just can't, can't pretend to be, um, you know, somebody I'm not. Uh, you know, you have, you have, you have, uh, you have a podcast with, you know, millions of downloads. And so I, I think that's better than Twitter followers. Just, just me. I, I think, uh, well, I, I don't, think- you know, I, I have a, Twitter's a difficult thing for me because I mean, like 
I'm not saying that they're I, – I certainly don't do the same thing that they do. But, um, you know, like Orant has Sports Business Daily and yep. Dice has Sports Illustrated, and there's like this, you know, entity behind them. And also that's part of their job every single day. I, yep. You know, I don't um, – I don't really uh, – I, I don't have that, and I'm not uh, – I'm off, like, doing other things. And so I can't just um, – literally afford to, uh, to, to do as much tweeting. Um, cause it's not part of, you know, my job. I mean, I, I'm kind of fascinated by Twitter, but, um, I'm probably, uh, you know, doing something, um, else other than Twitter a lot of times. So I, I understand when people say I don't, well, you know, I don't, I don't tweet enough or something, but you know. we'll, 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 I'll, I'll work on getting you to write uh, write a book on the origins of Twitter, and then uh, then maybe maybe we'll start. Oh, that'll leave him laughing. <laughs> so, uh, what's what's the uh, what's the timing you think will happen as far as uh, you know? We're I, you know not even really three weeks into the uh, into the uh, Bodenheimer transition period. Uh, when, when do you think when do you think a successor uh, a permanent successor will be announced? I would. Uh, I have no knowledge about specific timing. I would hope, given the fact that they laid out the 90 days for George, I would hope that there would be a decision um, well before, so that whoever is coming on board, um, not only has some ground cover from George in terms of, uh, you know, the business was very different since he was president, but that campus and a lot of those employees are are very familiar to George. In fact, you know, when we, when we look back on the skipper years, I think one of the most surprising things to me was that John Skipper kept so many of George Bodenheimer's um, team and senior team in place. In fact, for, I think for several years, the only thing he did was he kind of swapped Wildhack and Norby, uh, John Wildhack and Norby Williamson and right. um, their, their duties. But his direct reports, I don't think, changed at all um, for quite some time. And, you know, if uh, I'll admit, if you had asked me in December of, uh, you know, 2010 or 2011, you know, when John Skipper, John Skipper is president, what do you think one of the things um, that will be happening relatively soon? I, I, you know, I would think that he would bring in at least, you know, one or two outsiders just right. for – a, you know, a different perspective, and uh, and uh, that didn't happen. So getting back to your original question, I would hope that they would pick a successor, um, you know, sometime even later January or early February, and then um, have a transition period where George is still kind of on deck. And uh, and so there's, there's kind of a... An easier transition for that person. I, I do believe that if it's not Justin Conley, we're, we're talking about a situation where somebody's going to be coming from the outside, and that is a that's a significant learning curve even for the most seasoned of executives because ESPN ha, is a very particular kind of place. Um, it's a particular place defined by its uniqueness in, in, in terms of Bristol, Connecticut, which is a huge part of its DNA and continues to be. Um, and so, you you know, if you're coming from there, there's a whole – there's just many, many, many different aspects 
of, of life in Bristol, Connecticut, um, right. and the company, because it's in Bristol, Connecticut, that you have to get used to. So um, there's a reason why, you know, most of ESPN's history has seen people coming from inside. And I think that there's, you know, a reasonable chance that that's not going to happen again. And so um, the transition period is going to be particularly uh, important this time. Yeah, so I'll I'll, uh, I'll get you out of here by uh, you know kind of turning you into a, a, de- a degenerate gambler, uh, but uh, so if you if you have to bet your kids' college tuition on it, is uh, is your pick Connolly? Uh, wait, I got to get over the idea that I have to bet the tuition. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, you know, Justin Connolly, he is he's an he's an impressive dude. I mean, he is he is. Uh, he has been able to perform really, really well and uh, garner the confidence of a lot of people inside Bristol and at Disney. And so if he gets the job, then uh, I think that there'll be many people who will say, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I don't see that happening, but I could be totally wrong. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not like, uh, uh, I'm not going to, you know, lay any money on it. I, I did make 20 26 bets on the 2016 election, however, <laughs> during the, and won them all. But uh, so, so, so gonna, you believed in the shy Trump voter. I believed in what? You believed in the shy Trump voter beforehand. You called your I, bank shot. I did, dating back to February. In fact, uh, I'm sorry, this is a total tangent, but um, <laughs> go rather, for it. In terms of prognostication, I'm rather proud that I, uh, on the day of the Billy Bush tape, I uh, two people who I had bets with called me and said. Sorry, sucker. Now you're really dead. And I said, let's double. I doubled down on the uh, on the day of the Billy Bush tape. So uh, don't yeah. bet with Jim Miller. That's the that's no, the lesson well, here. Listen, you know, I get to brag about one thing, but um, but uh, no, seriously, I I I don't I don't think it's going to be Justin. I don't think it's going to be someone who's currently inside the Bristol uh, Bristol operation of ESPN in Bristol, New York. You know, how, how about the, how about Burbank? That could be. Uh, that 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 sounds that sounds like that sounds like your pick. I I won't I won't uh, I won't try to make you uh, pick pick one, but uh, sounds no, like but that, that's how you're leading. And by the way, there's some there's some surprise, interesting outside contenders who have uh, thrown their hat into the ring. I'm not at liberty to, uh, to say their names because uh, they they trusted me with um, you know. Um, but I I think that it's a uh, Look, it's an incredibly important job, right? Sure. And uh, it's a it's a challenging job. It's a visible job. If you're if you care about the media business, if you've been involved in any aspect of it, uh, you know, throughout your career, this is um, this is even though just even though some people might see the ESPN world as being half, uh, you know, half empty. Uh, it's there's just there's just no. No way to look at that job and not think that, you know, it's um, it's it's a compelling one. So uh, I've been uh, it's been kind of interesting to see that um, some people um, outside uh, have uh, have really started to you know throw their hat in the ring. Yeah. So, Jim, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining the podcast again. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Robert. Really appreciate it. Thanks again to Jim Miller for joining the podcast. You can find him on Twitter via at Jim Miller, and you can find the uh, PTI episode and all the episodes of the Origins with James Andrew Miller podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Next on the podcast, Schedule God's Willing, Sports Illustrator's Richard Deitch 
with Aaron Barzilai, who's the uh, founder of HerHoopStats.com. And uh, Aaron is aiming to be the Ken Palm of women's college hoops. And uh, you can find all the past episodes of my podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, RSS, or SportsTVRatings.com. Thanks for listening.